All right, so that was my friend Luke in the video. Luke grew up in uh, Amsterdam, Holland, and uh, that's why he had that kind of accent there. I apologize. It's so annoying when you hear these people with these silly accents. But, um, but I was thinking about it, listening to Luke tell his story there. So Luke um, lives here in Washington, Illinois now, but, but he can still remember years ago. He has kids of his own now, and he can still remember as a kid, growing up in Holland, going on those family uh, bike rides together, going on that place. And I bet if I went around the room this morning, every one of us could share story after story. Just, just those precious memories, those, those awesome memories of when we were kids, what it was like, and maybe some fun times. And, but every one of us have memories to share. And isn't it crazy now, now that we're older and some of us have kids of our own that we realize that what we did yesterday will at some point become a memory. It already is. It's, it's a memory. It's, it's, it's something that, that happened yesterday. It's now today's memory. Maybe yesterday was kind of an average, boring day. Maybe you did something yesterday that was so unique and so special that your kids will be talking about that experience for years to come. But the reality is that every one of us, in one way or another, every minute of every day, we're making memories. So in light of that, I want to look at a a phrase here that we've talked about here at Connect Church before, and I actually came across the person who, who, the author of the phrase, he's a a rabbi by the name of Harold Kushner, and I think we're all probably familiar with this thought, but he said this, he says, no one ever sat, sorry, no one ever said on their deathbed, I wish I'd spent more time at the office. It's true, isn't it? No one's ever going to get to the end of their life and think, man, I wish I'd worked just a little bit harder. I wish I'd spent just a little bit time, more time away from my family and, and in my job. No one's going to say that. The reality is that, that one day, at the end of our lives, we're probably going to look back and maybe we're going to wish we'd spent more time with the loved ones of our life, more time with family and friends and neighbors, making memories. But for many, at that point, it's too late. If you're on your deathbed having that thought, having that regret maybe, at that point it's too late. So I want to spend three weeks in this series talking about this now so that maybe some of us can make some changes now so we're not in a situation years from now on our deathbed looking back wishing we'd done things differently. You see, one time Jesus himself was, was questioned by some religious people. They were, they were always trying to catch Jesus out. They were always trying to trap him, these religious leaders. So one day, they came to him and they said, hey, all right, Jesus, you think you, you know everything. What's the most important commandment of all? Now, at this point, okay, so, so Moses, he'd introduced the Ten Commandments to the people many years before, and then since then, the religious leaders had added to them all these other commandments. So if you were a religious person in Jesus' time, if you were a believer and a follower of God in Jesus' time, you would be aware that there would be hundreds of commandments you had to follow. So what they were doing was they were trying to trap Jesus because they knew that if he said just one of them, then they could point out all the others that he said that he'd ignored and they could really you know, force his hand here. But, but Jesus, being the son of God, being the wise person that he was, he was able to flip it completely around and give an incredibly wise answer. A guy by the name of Matthew who tells us the story of the life of Jesus. In Matthew 22, he he recounts the situation. He says in verse 37, Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your minds. This is the first and greatest commandment. 
A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all of the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Jesus is saying, hey, I know there are hundreds of commandments, but, but you can pretty much sum them all up. You could, every one of them is built upon these two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And he doesn't even say, well, there's this one that's the most important and this one that's almost as important. He actually says this one, loving the Lord your God, is important. And then equally as important, just as important is that you love your neighbor as yourself. So there's this, this relationship with God, but then there's a relationship with others as well, equally as important. So who is my neighbor? Is it the guy who lives in the house next door who plays his music too loud and lets his dog poop in my yard? Yes, that, that's your neighbor. And you're to love him despite those things. But it's more than just the guy or the girl who lives next door to you. Your neighbor is your spouse, your kids, your friends, your family. The connections, the relational connections that we have in our lives. And Jesus is saying, hey, you want to know what's important? Number one, it's loving God with everything you've got. We talked about this last week in our relationship with goals. We said the, the, the best thing you can have if you're in a relationship right now is, is to have, have a Christ-centered relationship. Where it's not your spouse that's the most important thing in your life, or you're not the most important thing in your spouse's life, but Jesus is actually the most important thing in both of your lives. And he is the foundation upon which your relationship is built. And this is what Jesus is saying. Number one, first and foremost, Christ-centered. Loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But number two, if that equally with number one, love your neighbor as yourself. So why is it then? Especially this morning, if you're here and you're a follower of Jesus, why is it that if we know this, if we know this is so important, why do we go through our day-to-day -day lives? Why is it that so many of our memories are actually filled with activities and pursuits that ultimately don't reflect who matters the most in our lives? We can get so caught up, can't we, in so many things and miss the people that are most important in our lives. An author by the name of John Ortberg, he's a pastor and he's written many books and he addresses this very issue in a book he wrote called, in a book he wrote called Everybody's Normal Till You Get to Know Them, which is a great title because it's incredibly true. He talks in this book about research he came across done by Harvard University. And in this research that Harvard did, they, they discovered that every one of us, really at our core, we're, we're, we're wired to really get the most out of life in two areas, two specific areas. Those two areas are achieving and connecting. It doesn't matter what you, who you are, where you come from, what you're like, your personality, introvert, extrovert. At, at the core of every one of us, where we get our, our satisfaction in life, where we really kind of get our, our reason to be is in either one of these two areas, either in achieving and connecting. He goes on to explain what these look like. So achieving, that has to do with our accomplishments. That's the, the contests we win, the career we pursue, the success we, we gain, our financial milestones, the, the goals we accomplish. Those are the achievements in our life. And there's something in us that just wants to, to strive to, to get those achievements accomplished. And these are good things. Both of these are good things. The second is, is connecting. 
Of course, that's to do with our relationship world. That's the people we are close to, the people we love, those, those connections we make through life. So I want to talk about these two things just real briefly here this morning. And, and in order to do so, I want to use some, some visual aids to help you understand the, the idea of achieving and connecting. So the first one for achieving is, is this medal right here that I, I achieved. I got this medal. This is the, um, the great One America... Um, I can't read it. It's a, it's a mini marathon. It's a 13.1. It's a half marathon medal from Indianapolis in May of 2013. I got this medal. Now, I do need to clarify that everyone that crossed the finish line got this medal. This wasn't like, I, believe me, <laughs> I came nowhere close to winning. But I did cross the finish line. If I can remember crossing that finish line, knowing that at 13.1 miles, if ever... I want to run a full marathon, it would mean turning around and running all the way back to the start line again. And I was like, there's absolutely no way. This is never going to happen. I, I'm surprised I made it this far. But this medal represents that achievement. I'm pretty proud of this medal. I told Casey earlier in the week that we needed to find this medal because I was going to use it on Sunday in my message, and we had a hard time finding it. We had to look in a lot of places, and finally we found it in my son's bedroom in a closet in a box full of all of their trophies and medals from soccer tournaments and different things because apparently I don't have a box for my medals. <laughs> And I think at some point she found this and just assumed it must be the boys because... But this is my medal, okay? This is my achievement. So this represents the achievements in our lives. Now, I have another trophy that represents connecting, okay? This trophy, you may not be able to see it from where you're sitting, but it says All-Star Dad. Uh, this is an official trophy mandated by the Dads of America. Uh, and I am in the Hall of Fame thanks to my 11-year-old uh, daughter who got me this trophy as a Christmas present uh, when she was in kindergarten, maybe first grade, sometime around then. So uh, she, was at, she goes to Central here in town, Central Primary School. And, uh, and she, she got me this for Christmas because apparently I am an All-Star Dad. So this represents the connections in my life. Now, funny story about this, it was the reason she was able to um, acquire this particular trophy for me was that uh, at the school they were doing like this Christmas shop where kids could go in with their money and they could buy gifts for their parents. Maybe some of your kids have done this. And we dropped her off at this event not realizing that was going on. So sent her in there with no money at all. And she was distraught when she got there and realized that she wasn't going to be able to buy a Christmas present for her family. And fortunately, uh, there was a lady there from Connect who recognized Emma and she said, here, here's some money. And she gave my daughter some money and Emma was able to go in. And, and fortunately, she was able to buy what has turned out to be an incredibly valuable trophy here, uh, All-Star Dad. Now, the funny part of this story is that then at Christmas, I got this trophy. And in the new year, I went up to the lady at church that I thought was the lady who'd given the money to Emma. And it wasn't. It was somebody completely different. I had an entire conversation with her. I said, thanks so much for the Christmas gift. It was great. And she was smiling and nodding. And, and then later that day, she emailed me and said, I'm ever so sorry, but I have no idea what you were talking about this morning in church. So... So thanks again to both ladies, the lady who actually did give the money and the lady who had no idea what I was talking about. But anyway, here's the thing that this research pointed out. This book, you know, it kind of brings to light this research that, that there's nothing wrong with wanting to achieve things and connect with others. God made us this way. This is a good thing, every one of us. But what tends to happen in our lives is, is sometimes these two can kind of get out of whack a little bit. 
Sometimes we, we want so hard to achieve that actually because of our pursuit of achievements, our connections go down. And the book points out this, this ironic idea that oftentimes the reason we want to achieve more is because we want to find more value from the people in our lives who we're connecting with. If I can provide more for my family, if I can provide more for my wife, if I can provide a better lifestyle, and, and these achievements are motivated by the ones we love the most, but end up pulling us away from the ones we love the most. As our achievements grow, so our connections go down. The research pointed out that there are two groups of people. There are the people that have achieved much and connected little. And they said overall, they were less happy than the people who could say that I've connected more. Maybe I haven't achieved as much, but I've connected more found were to be more happy with their life than the other way around. So God's made us this way, and, and we are wired to achieve and to connect. But the dangerous thing is that sometimes we achieve at the expense of connecting. And I don't want that to happen in my life. I don't want that to happen in your lives. I want us to be able to connect with the ones that God has put in our lives, because eventually these will be memories that we'll look back on and talk about. And I want my kids to grow up and, and have lots of great memories of what it was like to grow up in, in our house. And there was lots of times of connecting and lots of great memories that were made. So in this series, we're going to look at, at how we can really make the most of those memories. And, and it probably won't surprise you, but we're going to look to our, um, for, for advice and guidance in this area to the person, I think, who can demonstrate this the best, and that's Jesus himself. In fact, just this morning, we're going to look at an encounter that Jesus had with a, with a group of people that just showed so clearly that he got it. He understood what it looked like to really connect with people. We're going to jump into a, um, a passage here that's kind of late in the life of Jesus. He's actually leaving a city called Jericho. And there's a crowd of people going with him, and they're, they're on their way to the city of Jerusalem. It's about a 15-mile journey, and they would, be, they would have been on foot, this big crowd. So it would have taken a long time, so, so they'd have got started early to make this journey from Jericho to Jerusalem. The crowd would have been super excited, because at this point, they still didn't fully understand who Jesus was. They actually believed that he was the, the Messiah, but they believed that he was the man that God had sent to, to free them from Roman captivity. That when he arrived in Jerusalem, he was going to be crowned the new king. So this, this crowd, they want to be a part of this momentous occasion. They want to be a part of this, this history-making occasion when this man will finally be crowned the king of the Jews and, and will overthrow the, the Romans. So they're leaving Jericho with this in their minds. And, and no sooner have they left then Jesus is called upon to interact with some people. And listen to what happens, again, according to Matthew, in chapter 20, verses 29 through 34. It says, As Jesus and the disciples left the town of Jericho, a large crowd followed behind. Two blind men were sitting beside the road. When they heard that Jesus was coming that way, they began shouting, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. Be quiet, the crowd yelled at them. But they only shouted louder, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. When Jesus heard them, he stopped. He called out to them, what do you want? Sorry, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, they said, we want to see. And Jesus felt sorry for them and he touched their eyes and instantly they could see. And then they followed him. 
They joined the crowd and went with him to Jerusalem. Can you imagine what it was had to have been like? Imagine if you were there that day. Imagine if you were part of the crowd and you're just whipped up into a frenzy and you're excited because you're heading off on this mission and you can't wait to be able to tell your kids and your grandkids, I was there the day that Jesus became king and you were just so focused on wanting to get to Jerusalem. You can't wait and suddenly you hear this, these blind beggars, these, these people by the side of the road that normally you would completely ignore shouting out to Jesus. And maybe you were one of the ones saying, Be quiet. Leave him alone. Now's not the time. He's on a mission. This is really important. We've got to get somewhere very important. There's there's things that Jesus has to achieve. He doesn't have time for you right now. But fortunately, Jesus didn't think that way. Jesus had time for people. Jesus wanted to make those connections. And in this short Six-verse account from Matthew, we learn a huge lesson from Jesus about connecting. Because we discover that Jesus, even though he was on a mission, even though there was something that had to be achieved, he still had time to stop, to see, and to serve. Jesus made time that day to connect with these people by stopping, seeing, and serving. I'm going to talk about what that looked like. Those three words, I'm going to talk about how Jesus played that because I think we can do this in our lives if we're intentional. So what do I mean by stop? Well, verse 32 says that when Jesus heard them, he stopped. When Jesus heard them, he stopped. Did you know that in order to properly connect, you need to stop? Have you ever found yourself with your kids and they're asking you questions and you're doing something important, you're checking Facebook and you know, you're, you're scrolling through and they're like, hey dad, I need to, okay, yeah, that's fine. You just... Your kids can pick up on that, okay? You realize, don't you, that sometimes they're asking those questions and, and sometimes they're like, mom, dad, just put the phone down. I need you just answer this question. But if you're like me, we, we feel like we have this ability. It's okay, I can multitask, I can carry on doing this and I can answer your questions, I can... But to really connect, to really connect, sometimes you have to just stop. I was preparing for this message and reading through a bunch of different things, and I came across this um, study that was done, and uh, it was talking about how much advancements have taken place in the last few years with um, brain scanning and brain mapping, and uh, they're, they're able to, to, to do so much more now with studying the brain that they can actually study the brain during certain activities. So when we're doing certain things, when we're working, when we're resting, when we're connecting, they can see the different um, waves, brain waves, and they can start to see patterns. This particular researcher was talking about this. He said, there is actually a time when we stop doing things, when we, when we come to a stop of our um, work or whatever it is we're doing, and our brain forms this, this configuration, this neutral configuration that they call the default network. The default network. That's when your brain is just kind of stopping doing what it's doing. Well, what this um, research discovered is that the way your brain looks during this time is almost identical to the way your brain looks when you're connecting with other people, when there's social interaction going on. In this article, this guy by the name of Matthew Liebman, he said this, he said, the default network directs us to think about other people's minds, their thoughts, their feelings, their goals. Basically, what they discovered was that in these three moments, the human brain has an automatic response to go social. 
When we stop, we are wired to connect with others. But we need to stop to really connect properly with others. I thought it was so fascinating because I see that in my life. I see, I see myself trying to do both at once. I want to connect and I want to have these meaningful relationships, but I'm always feeling like there's so much going on and so much uh, work to be done that maybe I can try and accomplish both at once. And it just never really feels right, does it? You never really feel like you're making that true. You actually have to, to, to literally stop, to reach that, that default network point of saying, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm coming into neutral right now. I'm coming out of gear, I'm going into neutral so that I can connect. So the first question I'd ask you this morning is, am I stopping to connect with the people in my life? Am I stopping to connect to the people in my life? The second thing we can learn from Jesus this morning is that he didn't just stop, he actually took time to see these people. He didn't just stop what he was doing. He, he looked, he focused right in on these two blind beggars. He turned his attention to these blind men. He focused right in on them. In the midst of the crowd and the busyness and his agenda of, of having to get to where he needed to be. It says in verse 32 that when Jesus heard them, he stopped and he called, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? I picture him not just calling them. I picture him just kind of calling them towards him. Come, come towards me. Come here now. What, what is it you want me to do? There was a connection there. He, he saw these people. It's so important not only for us to stop, but to really see what's going on in the lives of our friends, in the lives of our loved ones, in the lives of our kids. If you don't think it's important to, to allow the distractions to, to fall to the side so you can really see what's going on, then let me uh, use this video to help illustrate this. How many passes does the team in white make? Go! The answer is 13. But did you see the moonwalking bear? So that was actually a commercial in England challenging um, drivers to look out for cyclists. How many of you got 13 passes? I know it's hard to see on the screen, but anyone get 13? How many of you even saw the moonwalking man? <laughs> anyone? No. Did you at least see him the second time? The, the, he, was, he was there. You know, we can become so focused on things, can't we, that we miss other things in our lives. This is actually called, there's a phrase for this, it's called inattentional blindness. And it's actually, I think, it's a blessing and a curse. I think it could be a negative thing, but I also think it could be a positive thing, and I'll explain why. 
So maybe you've been in a situation with a loved one or a, a kid or, or a friend or a family member or a neighbor, and, and one day they've, they've come to you with just kind of a shocking revelation or something's happened and you've heard about this situation in their life, and, and, and your response is, I had no idea. I had no idea that you were struggling in that way or that this was an issue or that this was going on. I, I had no idea. And then suddenly... You start to think back over the previous days, weeks, and months, and, and now, knowing what it is they're struggling with, you start to see, you know what? I can see now how that, that time when they went to their room, they were by themselves, or when this happened, or when that, and now you start to see it, but you realize, how did I miss all of those things all the way along? It's because we're not seeing clearly what's going on with the people that we're connected to in our lives. But here's how this can become a blessing. If we'll, like Jesus, choose to stop and see and focus right in on that person, focus in on that person, it actually helps us to tune out the other things in our lives. And we can really connect at a deeper level because we're actually choosing to set these things aside to connect in this way. It's taking that time to, to focus in, to look carefully, to see clearly what's going on. It actually works in our spiritual lives as well. If you're here this morning and you're a follower of Jesus and you're looking for a way to grow in your relationship with him, sometimes it's good just to create some space in your life. Maybe it's first thing in the morning, last thing at night, but, but take some time where you're actually gonna, you're gonna take your attention off everything else and you're gonna focus on God and God alone. And you might use that time to read some verses from the Bible, maybe read a few chapters from the Bible. Maybe you'll use that time to just think through some things you want to pray about and talk to God about. Maybe you use that time to do some journaling and write some thoughts down of who God is and what he's doing in your life. Maybe it's a time to memorize some verses because you know the, um, the, how helpful it is to be able to memorize these verses and then apply them in your life. But this idea of focusing in, you can, you can do that and it kind of shuts down the other distractions in your life. And suddenly the moonwalking bears of the busyness of your work, they go off to the side because now you're focusing in on God and God alone. Am I really seeing the people in my life? Am I really stopping long enough to see the people in my life? And Jesus gives us this great example how he doesn't even stop there. He serves the people. He stops, he sees, and then he serves these blind men. What do you want me to do for you? Lord, they said, we want to see. I think sometimes one of the biggest mistakes we make in our lives when we're trying to connect with people is, is not really seeing what it is they want. We decide, oh, I'll do this because I'm sure that's what they want. This is something that Case and I run into a lot, and, and we'll talk about this a lot, because there'll be, there'll be phases of time where things are super busy, and um, you know, I've got a lot going on here at the church. She might have stuff going on, and just it'll seem like several days have gone by. We just haven't really connected, and she'll say, you know, I feel like we're kind of going through this patch here where we're not really connecting, and you know, I think we need to address this and figure out how we can connect better, and maybe our relationship's suffering a little bit as a result of this, and I'll say, what do you mean? I've done loads of things this last week. I, I emptied the dishwasher. You didn't even ask me to do it. I emptied the dishwasher. How did you not see that? I stopped at Costco and picked up all that stuff for you. I hung that picture. You've been on at me for ages about hanging that. I hung the picture. How can you say we're not? Look at all these things I've done for you. 
She'll say, that's great. I'm glad. But you know what I want? <laughs> I'd like to just sit down and have a conversation. <laughs> I'd like to just talk a little bit. Just see how you're doing. Talk about how. And she's dead right. And we do and we sit and we talk. And sometimes in my busyness, I justify this, this lack of connection and think, well, I've connected in all these different ways. And those weren't the ways that she wanted to connect. I love that Jesus listened to what it was that these blind people wanted. And then he responded. Because think about it. There was loads of things. Jesus could have stopped the crowd and gone up to the blind man and said, hey, I'm going to need some fish and some loaves. These guys are going to be really thankful that I came by. He could have taught them a great lesson. It looks like you're poor. You know what? Blessed are the poor because they will inherit the kingdom of God. You're welcome. Off we go. <laughs> I see you got a cup of water there. Oh, you're going to love what I'm going to do with this. <laughs> There's lots of things Jesus could have done in that moment, but he knew that what they wanted, they didn't need food or teach. They needed to see. And in that moment, Jesus stopped. He saw who they were and he served them where they were at. He gave them what they needed. And I ask this question of myself this morning as I do of you. Am I serving the real needs of the people in my life? When it comes to making memories, am I serving the real needs of the people in my life? It's great that I'm achieving so much and I got another promotion and I'm working so hard and, and I'm able to pay for all these things. But is this really what they want? Or are they looking for more of this? Am I serving the real needs of the people in my life? You know, Jesus modeled for us what it looks like to stop, see, and serve the people in our lives. We only have one chance to make memories, so let's be intentional in the ones that we are making this week. And in case you're still wondering this morning if relationships are important, in case you're still wondering if these connections are a big deal or not, let me finish by telling you a story that I heard just this week. I'm part of a group um, that works with different church planters, and I had the opportunity this week to speak to uh, three or four different guys around the country who are planting churches and hear their story. And it was just so exciting because for me, this was my story six years ago when we were getting ready to plant Connect Church. And they were all at that stage where they're in the cities in which they're going to plant, and they're, they're looking to build up the team of people who are going to help them. And, and they, this fall, many of them are going to launch a brand new church in their community, just like we launched Connect in our community and it's just brilliant to hear their vision their excitement this one guy Jake he's in Detroit down river Detroit and he says he just really feels like God's called him to Detroit that's not where he's from originally but he just knows that God has wanted to do a new work in that city and that this is a city that's known um, poverty and financial crisis over the last few years but he believes that God is going to turn this city around in fact the name of the church they're planting is comeback city church he says, as a church, we want to tell this community that, that God is, is bringing us back. There's a lot of depression, a lot of problems in that area. He says, I believe God's bringing us to be a light in darkness. So Jake's telling me this story on the phone this week. We're on this video conference thing. And he said, um, what I'll do, because I'm not from this area, I just try and hang out in different places and I eavesdrop. He says, I try to just listen to what people are talking about to get a feel for the city. So because one of my favorite places to go is the mall because you can meet a lot of people and see a lot of people. So very often I'll just sit in the food court there. I'll maybe get a cup of coffee and just sit. And he said, just recently I was sitting there and uh, a guy, an older guy, big guy said, big beard, looked a bit like Santa Claus. He came and he, he sat near me and we just started to talk. 
He said, I found out this guy's name was Bill. He says, and Bill started to tell me his story. He said, Bill's a single guy. He was a Vietnam veteran. Came back from the war and just inherited a lot of problems from the war. Got married, had kids, but was dealing with a lot of other garbage in his life. Bill told Jake that after 12 years of being married, he woke up one morning to discover that his wife and their children had left the house, all gone. He said this was back in the day before cell phones and texts and emails. He had no way of connecting with them, no way of contacting them, couldn't find them. Bill said, I've lived my life since then. I've never seen any of them since then. I heard that my wife's passed away. I heard my kids are still alive, but I don't see them. I don't know where they are. Bill was an alcoholic, but Bill told Jake that he would come to the mall every day because he was so lonely that it just felt like it was a place where he was connecting with people. That's why connections are so important. So Jake struck up this friendship with Bill. He said, hey, we're starting this church here. I'd love to tell you about it. Jake said, I just started hanging out with Bill. I started driving into his VA appointments. I started helping him with some grocery stuff. And he said, and as we're getting closer to launching this church, we were having these dinner parties where we were inviting people who were interested in being a part of our launch team to come to our house. And I asked Bill if he'd like to come to one of our dinner parties. He said, yeah. He says, I went and picked up Bill, and when I got there, he was wearing a T-shirt with a collar, and a t- he put a tie on and a jacket, and he was really, I mean, he really thought, if this is a dinner party, I need to, <laughs> to look good. They drove to the house where some of the other launch team members were, and Jake said that before the party even started, before the meal even started, where he was going to present the idea of the church, Bill pulled him aside and said, Jake, I need to tell you something. He says, yeah, what is it, Billy? He goes, I figured out. He goes, a couple of, weeks, couple of nights ago, I was just sitting up in bed, and I realized I figured out why you're here. And Jake's like, well, yeah, Bill, it's to plant that church. We've been talking about this a lot. He goes, no, no, no. He goes, I figured out a few nights ago why you're here. You're here to save my life. That's why I met you that day in the mall. He says, I realized you're here to save my life. And as I was sitting there in bed, I thought, if he is here to save my life, it's about time I tried to save my life as well. He says, for the last three days, Jake, I haven't drunk a drop. He's drinking a bottle of liquor every day. He says, for the last three days, I've not drunk a drop. He says, because I think God put you here for me. So Bill stayed for the dinner. Jake drove him home. He came back, and some of the launch team members from the church were there, and Jake said, I told them the story. And they were like, whoa, we had church here tonight. We haven't even started yet. I loved hearing that story because I believe God's put us here in Washington to connect to some people in our community. Not as a church, but as a group of people. You're a part of Connect Now. Maybe part of the, the mission God has you on is to connect to those in your life. So maybe this week we need to pray and say, God, help me to recognize that both of these are good. But Lord, I don't want to miss out on these because I'm too focused on this. Help me to look at how I can connect with those you've put in my life. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much. And right now, we don't want to be on our deathbeds looking back with regret, wondering if we should have spent more time in the office. That's just not going to happen, Lord. But I don't want to look back on my deathbeds with any regrets. Help me now in this moment to, to do whatever needs to be done to make the connections with the people in my life. Help us all, Lord, to make those connections. 
Help us in our desire to to want to pursue and to achieve, Lord, to never do that at the expense of connecting. To always be willing to say, you know, achievement's great, but connecting is also great. So help us to do that with your strength, we pray. In Jesus' name.